you from sunny Los Angeles. She is a lifestyle, beauty, and health enthusiast, and he is a serial entrepreneur and marketing expert. And now, Suita and Haseeb will be taking you on a glorious ride. Welcome to Cup of Joe Podcast. Okay, everybody, welcome back to Cup of Joe Podcast. We are sitting here with Haseeb, and we have a... Hi. Hi. <laughs> we have a very special guest today with us, all the way from Chicago. He is a serial entrepreneur and co-founder of Schedule Scheduling and Mentor You Global. We have Corey Warfield. Welcome, Hi, Corey. Corey. Hi, everyone. Hi, Suida. Hi, Haseeb. I'll do a quick side. Haseeb, I believe you and I did a radio show together about <laughs> uh, maybe two and a half years ago. For sure, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I think Suida was there too. Yeah, she's yeah. the one who was making the video, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. She was uh, the back host over our, there. Back in our days in Telluride, Colorado. Yeah, exactly. So let me tell you guys how we know Corey. Uh, we met him in a Telluride Venture Accelerator program with up-and-coming startups. And Haseeb's startup was in there as well as Corey's. And so we were able to meet each other and we all got to know each other. And Corey is a very, very strong influencer on social media. He's doing great with his companies and we'll let him talk more about that. But uh, we just want to get, first of all, get to know you a little more, Corey, like your background and where you come from with tech and all that good stuff. So go ahead. I'm kind of the anti-tech founder and I've got really lucky to put together a great team, but I spent 20 years in, in restaurants and actually 20 years ago, I first started waiting tables in Telluride, Colorado. And so I was there, I spent some years there in this very small town and learned a lot about wine, became certified as a sommelier and kind of worked my way up. And then I spent the next almost 20 years in restaurants. And so I spent a number of years in management and corporate management. I spent most of the years in the, in the very high end, you know, $2, $200 a head plus restaurant concepts, waiting tables and not gratifying, but the money was great. And there was always something fun. And I got to wait on some of, you know, my, the athletes that I looked up to as a kid and, and former presidents and, and sports teams and just all this really cool stuff. But I was getting sick of it. And every day at the core of the problem is in restaurants is scheduling. You're either always overscheduled, uh, overstaffed, understaffed, the wrong people are there. Unfortunately, you have to be the first one there and the last one there. And it all revolves around scheduling. And so after nearly 20 years, I figured out some pain points that we had had with different scheduling softwares we'd used over the years. And so I kind of had a concept and put a small team together and we put together a prototype that turned into what Schedule is today. And today we're one of the smaller, but one of the faster growing shift scheduling SaaS platforms in the States. We've got some really cool users, some really good features that differentiate us. And yeah, we're, we're just finally really hitting our stride. Awesome. So tell us about more of your company. Like, do you, are you on an app? Are you on online? How does that work? How do people get to connect with you? Absolutely. So we're on both app stores. I believe we're still in the top five on the, the Android, Google Play, um, top 20 on the app store. So you can just type in scheduling or schedule. But we also have our web presence. So schedule.com is our website. Uh, we encourage administrators to go there. It kind of gives you a little walkthrough of the product, some of the value proposition and differentiators. And everything communicates seamlessly with each other. So uh, typically, we, we suggest the web version from a, a laptop or a desktop or, or tablet for the management. And then for the employees on the go, it's great to just connect on the mobile apps as well. And it's a communication platform. People see when they're working, trade shifts with each other. Uh, it helps the, the management keep time uh, tracking. And we're about to launch a clock in, clock out using GeoFence as well. We have a media upload so you can train your staff and do pre-shifts virtually. Uh, and, and just a whole lot of ways to really make the scheduling process more seamless. We're starting to build in some machine learning to actually take data and help forecast out schedules by industry as well. Wow, that all sounds so amazing. I know. Before we jump 
more into all your good stuff and successes, let's talk about failure. And let's start it from here, and then we can move on to all the good stuff you have been doing. So what's something you have failed at? And uh, like for me, like I can mention, like we were working on the startup t- together, and then we were not able to pull it off, and then we had to shut it off. So there are tons of failures in my life, and I have learned a lot from them. How, do you have anything uh, which you want to share? Uh, maybe a couple of them, or if you have more than that. Well, to be honest, you know, it's been a roller coaster ride, but I'd say for me with Shedwell, the fact that we're still in this against a lot of odds is really encouraging. But there's so many times that we came close to having to throw in the towel because we were never able to raise capital. And in retrospect, I should have just not been trying so hard to raise money. We achieved every milestone in the same, on the same roadmap at the same cadence that we would have had we raised capital. Uh, and so then the biggest struggle is just not, not paying myself and not having an income for many years. But I do think I failed at fundraising probably just because I either didn't take the time to get to understand that world or there was some fatal flaw that in retrospect, I'm glad was there because I'm glad that I didn't you know, put together a, an investment uh, portfolio that, that people were telling me what to do and what to do differently. Because although the models changed a bit, we've stuck by our guns. But I, I would say that my biggest flaw or my biggest fault rather, or my biggest shortcoming was not putting the right team together soon enough. I tried to wear too many hats. And I believe that my probably my ego and pride got in the way of that. And it wasn't until a couple of years in when I started to wait, I suck at sales. So I brought in the director of sales who lives and breathes that he's amazing. I suck at marketing. I don't know what I'm so I brought in a marketing team and they're amazing. And uh, you know, I think once I really started to to fill some of the gaps that that, that had been actually created by myself or that I had just never filled that's when things really started to click and really come together. So I would say, you know, f- fundraising was a failure, um, but, but it was a learning experience. But I think trying to do too much at my, on my own um, prob- probably was to the detriment of, of early growth in the company. And I've learned a lot from that as well. What do you tell the audience right now? How can they figure out when is the good time to bring in a team? Because a lot of people, if they have, they raise some money, they're bringing a lot of employees and a lot of people to work with and suddenly because of all the extra expenses that's also a bad thing so when is a good time when like there are like right now there's a big uh, movement going on for solopreneurs and people who are going in a different direction where they're trying to go all in on their own creating their own influence or social media and then creating different coaching programs and training programs and trying to educate their audience of who they are rather than creating their own team and building a company. How do you differentiate that? And because question started because you pretty active on LinkedIn and uh, you have tons and tons of followers and uh, all the content which you have been posting and seeing like you're getting like good, like thousands of, uh, of likes and stuff. So share more on all uh, on both sides. What is good time to uh, bring extra team members and, different between going all in alone versus going with the team? So in my opinion, the solopreneur doesn't work. Uh, one, of the, one of the programs uh, that, that I kind of created that's turned into a whole other company that's doing some pretty cool stuff. And actually, we've automated the accelerator model uh, and, and taken away a lot of the friction. But what I really noticed is you can't do it alone. And so, you know, whether it's putting together something like Mentor You Global, provide that team and then let people kind of do the solopreneur thing because they have a, a makeshift team or a fractional team uh, or finding, finding people that will believe in the dream. But I think everyone needs a team. And I think 
one of the fatal flaws is to, to think that money dictates anything. I mean, you can either find people that have full-time jobs that are willing to work 20 hours a week on their spare time or on the weekends, but you know, people do need to keep food on the table and pay their bills. But I think a lot of times people try to be too greedy and retain too much. And I think for me, I would have given even more of my company away even sooner if I had known it would have brought such team and such enthusiasm. And so uh, most, most of my key players right now do have anywhere from 1% one to, one to 10% of the company, but they're all on fire and they're all so motivated. And now when we, when we have our big revenue days, they know that even if that money's not going into their pocket that day, they know that there's upside every time we have a bell that we can ring. And I, I think that that sense of unity and community and, and leadership and leadership by you know, just evangelizing is incredibly powerful. Uh, and then the other thing that I would say as far as leadership, if you're a solopreneur, you're only leading yourself, right? And it's very difficult to cultivate those leadership skills if you don't really have anyone that's going to follow you and that, that you do feel responsible for. So I, I understand runway. I understand, you know, it's it's a fine line to walk between asking people to come all in with you and going all in or having your day job. But I really find that people need to not dilute themselves. And the real, real responsibility of a founder is to rally the troops, get people excited. And whether those people are potential clients or customers, if they're a potential team, I think you just have to sell the dream and the passion and the excitement. Get creative. You know, there are so many creative ways you can use, uh, you know, Upwork or Fiverr ways to make some some bill money at the same time while you're working, you know, six in the morning till 5 p.m. every day on your startup. But I think if you're not willing to go all in with a company, I think that you're probably destined to fail. Um, I do think that going all in is incredibly important. I think putting the team together uh, any way that you can. And you, again, you can get creative, but I think it's imperative. So I don't think we're going to see a lot of solopreneurs emerging is incredibly uh, successful. I, I don't know, you know, some of them might do it with a remote team or, or some people they don't give credit to. But I think if you dig, dig deeply into any successful company, even that's still emerging right now, they had a big team or a competent team with them pretty much since the moment they started to catch fire. Okay, Corey. So, um, you know, the startup world is kind of vicious. You either swim or you sink. And so now looking back, now that you're doing really well, what do you wish you had um, known back then when you started out versus now? Like, what can you tell yourself back then? I would, I would have given more of my company a way to build more team. I, I should have had more key players in, in position earlier. And what's the, what's the best process to do it? Is it having enough money so you can bring those people in or selling your vision? I think it's purely selling the vision. I, I, I honestly, through now experience and, and experience several times over and helping other people, I think it's better to not raise money and be hungry. And, you know, I think that people get too comfortable, even if they have their own savings that they put in. I think to know you have no runway, no dollars in the bank, to know that you need to get out there and make some sales if you want to, you know, get, get another feature shift. Or I really think that that hunger and that not desperation, but that need that's coupled with the will to succeed and a great idea. I think that that's where the sweet spot is. So, you know, I encourage people not to raise money. Um, there, there are creative ways that you can put together a little bit of working capital if you need to get some tooling or some prototyping or something like that. Uh, but but I'm, I'm against, you know, spending money on a, on a development team just to prove a concept. I, you know, I really think that there are creative ways around a lot of this, but I think it all comes back to either hiring or finding creative ways to fill to fill the different deficiencies that any one of us have. No one can do it all. No one has. And, you know, this new generation of kids, is, you know, I know you guys are, are younger as well. You kids are a little bit more competent than us old guys, but uh, there's still no one that I've ever met that can do it all on their own. But I think the wise person identifies their weaknesses and finds ways to, to kind of fill those, those voids. And then it makes success so much easier. Uh, so 
Can you share more of the like, story of your life, where you started and how you end up being where you are right now? Because uh, I remember listening to your stories uh, when we were in Telluride and you have some, like, a lot of good stories uh, of what you were doing before you started working on your company, Shedwell. So, yeah, you know, I was a college dropout in the, in the late 90s. I only did one year of college and I actually, uh, I dropped out unintentionally, but I got a job as a computer software tester with Rand McNally in between my freshman and sophomore year. And it paid so well and I loved it so well that I just didn't go back. I thought I'd take one year off, but a year later I had an even better job that paid better. And uh, I'm kind of glad that I ended up going that route and getting that work experience in the field from age 19 instead of 24 or 26 or something. You know, and that's not for everybody, but it worked for me. But I then did spend a couple of years kind of traveling the country, trying to find myself and ended up on the streets being homeless for quite some time. You know, that's about 20 years ago. That's when I ended up in Telluride and, and I, I was living in a, in a garage without any plumbing uh, for quite some time, learning kind of the restaurant industry and working my way up as a waiter. But uh, then, not to say it was boring, the next uh, 15 years in the restaurants, there were there were points that I was living out of hotels, but there were points that I was living in 15 bedroom homes with helicopters and a, I've been on private jets even back then as a waiter and just the really crazy ups and downs that are entailed. But I think nothing can prepare you for entrepreneurship, right? And because I didn't go to college uh, for long and don't have an MBA and didn't, I had never been in a boardroom. The first time I was in boardrooms has been with the C-suite of Verizon and the C-suite, not the C-suite, but directors uh, at Comcast, at least super high level Fortune 100 companies. And these are the first time I'm in boardrooms. And I was wearing Lululemons and and Air Jordans, you know, like it's this whole kind of counterculture that, that I brought to, to my reality and my startup world almost unintentionally. I just didn't know better. And, you know, people often say you don't know what you don't know, but I came into this just bright eyed and bushy tailed. You guys just met me only a few months into my entrepreneurial journey. So I really brought this 20 year servant mentality of, oh, if your water's half full, let me go get you some more. And I think for a while, people had to be like, Corey, stop it. You're not a waiter anymore. Like those people are paid to come bring you water. And it's like, okay. And just making that adjustment, I think, was really, it was transformative and it was really great. And I think that that's been why people have really received me well uh, on social media and particularly LinkedIn is I do still bring that waiter's mentality of if you're hungry, I want to feed you. And if you're hungry on how to build a, a multi-million dollar SaaS company, now I can feed you that. Or if you're hungry with how to you know, pass a, pass a resume uh, off to the right person or have your profile speak to the right employers or whatever it is, you know, I think I've now decided that Rather than bringing people food, I'd rather bring, bring people joy and wisdom and uh, help empower them. And that's what we're really doing with Mentor You Global as well. So it's kind of been this really cool evolution. Wow, Corey, just hearing you speak about your journey, about how you had those days where you were homeless and you didn't really know where you wanted to be in life. And until now, where you have such a successful company and it sounds like such an inspiring story for others. I just wanted to um, see, like, what would you share with up and coming startup? Um, up and coming, you know, startup? Not, not really, I think, for people who are working on the startup. I think in general, for people who are listening to us, how can they navigate those difficult decisions or difficult times and then keep their heads up and, and keep, keep moving in the right direction? Yeah. yeah, what would you tell them? That was too cute that you both said that at the exact same time. What I would say is that uh, you know, people don't follow their dreams enough. And I, I was with a, with a professor at the University of Chicago Business School booth and you know, he's literally teaching MBA candidates. At the, in the meantime, I'm a guy that worked in restaurants for 20 years, yet he was coming to me for the advice and the consulting. And I told him about what we're doing with MentorU, and now he's part of MentorU. Uh, but we were sitting in this restaurant, 
And I looked around and I said, how many people do you think are sitting in this restaurant? About 50. And he looked around. He said, yeah, I'd probably say, you know, give or take probably about 50. I said, I can pretty much guarantee you that of us 50 people sitting in this room right now, there's anywhere from 50 to 250 amazing ideas, amazing ideas. Some of these could change humanity. And I bet you almost nobody's going to do anything about any of them. I mean, how many great ideas do both of you have right now? And it, it, it turns into this whole, if I had time, if I had money, if I knew engineering, if I, you know, if, if I just had Mark Zuckerberg's phone number, or if only Corey would mentor me. And it's like, these excuses are all just that. They're all just excuses. So what we've done with Mentor U, one of, you know, we're, we're a pro bono consulting platform and we have everything from yoga instructors to forensic accountants. And you know, we really have everything represented to just help people with pro bono sessions or we're a consulting platform. But where, where I come in and, and where my experience, both with the accelerator that we were in, and I will say I'm not supposed to legally, I think, um, say, say the name of that accelerator anymore. Um, but, but, you know, we were in it together. And so, uh, but then after that, I was actually in an international post accelerator for four months with kind of their parent company as well. And um, so, many, so much of what I experienced let me down that what we're doing with Mentor You Global now is we've created an online accelerator and anyone can come to us with any of their ideas. And we're a three-tier accelerator. So on our website, you can tell us a bit about yourself and your concept. And we, we then, using machine learning, bring you the right consultants and coaches to help you with uh, product market fit, competitive analyses, business model canvassing, uh, making some kind of early contact, uh, branding experts to help you along with maybe your name or your logo. And it's completely pro bono. If you've got a great idea and you want it to take, the next, take it to the next level and you want to do it on our platform, our second tier is the tier that is uh, any company applies to and the companies that we believe in the founder and the idea and we accept, we then give them more coaches and consultants to actually help them with an MVP stage. So we take them past MVP um, with uh, initial kind of tooling and wireframing. And then we start to really dig in. We start to talk to potential clients or customers. We talk to other base. Uh, make these introductions and really help them along. And they haven't put a penny in, but if they graduate from that second year, we do take a 2% ownership stake in the company. Uh, from then, they're set up for success and they can go try to do whatever they want. But, but if they want to stick with us, we have our third tier accelerator. It's going to be very prestigious. We, we, we will never have enough resources to accept everybody, but the founders and companies we really believe in that we've helped bring kind of past ideation through MVP We'll then roll up our sleeves and we'll give them programmers and coders. We'll give them data scientists. We'll give them legal analysts. We'll help them with the company formation and the rules of reg rules and uh, everything, terms of service, uh, actually give them some salespeople that can work on commission and help them actually grow their company. And if they graduate from that tier three as a mentor, you graduate, we take a, a, an additional 3% equity position. So we now have 5% of their company but they haven't had to spend a penny, not even on development or graphic design or SEO or PR, because we have people in all those disciplines. So what we've really done is we've removed all the friction and all the excuses. Any reason that you can give me right now that you're not going to try your idea, we're, we're launching in February and you no longer have those excuses. You don't need the time. You don't need the money. You don't need the team. You don't need to know. We, we have machine learning to figure out what you don't know and who we need to connect you to. And we're growing and pre-launch we're at 55 mentors with another 30 that are waiting to get approved. So we're getting close to that 100 mentor mark that we wanted. Uh, and we also have several hundred mentees that are currently getting uh, pro bono consulting sessions. And some of them are starting to hash out some of their ideas with us. Uh, so even in pre-launch, we're generating content. We're helping change lives. We're helping people through some of the earlier stages of these concepts. And if this had, if this had been around 
you know, when, when we did our program, imagine if we would have had access. Imagine if, you know, I, I don't want to name your, your, your former team, you know, by name, but those guys were great. But imagine if they had access to people that could do the things that, that they weren't great at, you know, or uh, even with Shedwell, if I was in that program, if, if they had given me people that could have helped with some of the programming and some of the sales, sales has always been my weak suit. We would have already been, you know, our, our valuation's pretty good on paper right now, and, and our revenue is getting better and better literally by the day. But we would have been way ahead of the curve if we'd had access to this. And uh, a lot of accelerators are taking anywhere from about that same percentage to even more, and they're not giving you anyone that's actually helping with coding or branding or or SEO or really anything, right? I think none of us really experienced anyone rolling their sleeves up and jumping into the trenches. And, uh, you know, there was one guy that tried to help us all out. But I think when you try to help everybody, you can help nobody. And that's another kind of precept of what we're doing is we're stronger, you know, together because we can now get people the exact right person. I can give someone some high level consulting and I do consulting professionally as well. But I might not be the right person if you're looking to make women's, women's athletic wear, right? Like, literally, I can probably help you with with certain concepts, you know, kind of go-to-market strategy, I can probably help you with cost of goods sold or, you know, going through certain things like your business model. But I, I don't know anything about sourcing or spandex. But when we put together this bigger network of, of people and this collaborative approach to helping people pro bono, but with a lot of upside, all of a sudden we have people. I have, I have someone, like I said, in, in Pakistan, uh, beauty, uh, fashion designer right now. If I have someone that wants to learn how to make women's fashion clothing right now, I'm just going to introduce them to Tayseen and she's going to take it from there. So really having that power to connect people with the right people uh, is just hugely compelling. And uh, it's getting even closer with some of these people that I probably shouldn't name them by names, but we have, we have three names of self-made multi-billionaires that are incredibly excited about what we're doing that, that are kind of, you know, seeing where, where we can take this in our pre-launch in January, but they're beyond the sidelines. They're wanting to get involved and any of the three of them would give such credence because I think people hear that we want to do pro bono consulting. They're like, okay, that's cool. People have done it before, but, but you know, the intention is pure. I think people then start to realize, oh, you're a content creation platform. And, oh, it, we're, we're talking to, we work about a potential partnership. Like it, it makes so much sense what we're trying to do for entrepreneurs. And we're trying to let more and more people come in. And so that's why I say a, a solopreneur could potentially come through our platform and not need as much team as, as they would have prior. Uh, but still, I think that, if someone comes through and they, they build a company and they're the only person on the cap table or the only person in leadership, first of all, they think they'll fail. But second of all, they can't say they didn't do it without a team if, if we provided them with dozens of, of people kind of as a fractional or a pseudo team. So again, I think it all comes down to community. I think it all comes down to kind of filling the gaps. I think what we're really going to have in, in spades is that we're not going to have any gaps because although none of us can do everything, together we can all do everything. And, and that's kind of the, the power behind Mentor You Global. Yeah, that makes sense. I think Corey mentioned MVP multiple times. Let me give you a little explanation of what exactly the MVP is. I think any of you guys who are planning to connect with the platform like Corey just mentioned or any other accelerator program or uh, trying to pitch your product to anyone else, I think it's much better than sending them a, like a paragraph of what exactly your idea. Uh, you have to make sure, go back, create, register a domain, just outsource a logo to Fiverr.com, get a couple of a nice explanation and ideas of what exactly your product or idea is and create a simple website and um, just launch your social media platforms and then keep pushing content. And then uh, that's the the best way to really push and uh, make it easy for people who are you trying to pitch uh, to understand what your idea is. And then connect with people like Corey and then uh, 
get, send them the link and ask them to just look at their platform and uh, give them the feedback. Do you think that's a good, uh, good way to start or someone can come in with just an idea and give you a, a, a long paragraph or email try to express what they're trying to do? Well, so I, I think that you, you nailed it as far as what's been imperative up until this point. I think that, that it has been that you need the logo and the, the kind of earlier stage, call it a, a prototype or something. But with MentorU, we don't require any of that. You can literally just come to the website and the website's under development, but, but it will be live uh, here at the beginning of the year. And you can just give us the idea. And what, because what we do at that early tier one stage is we introduce you to some people that are going to help you with some of that and to actually help you to grow into that, you know, MVP or version one or prototype or whatever it might be. Now, that said, we absolutely would prefer someone to come along that's already got a logo, that's already got a domain, that's already got a little bit of SEO. You know, the, the, the more that you can bring to us, the more the more that we're, we're going to be able to understand really kind of cohesively what you're trying to do, where you're at, who your target demographic might be. Um, so I, I don't think that there's any, any cookie cutter answer for how far someone would have to be along. But what my goal is with the tier one is that everyone in the world should have a platform to come provide their ideas to. And you mentioned connecting with, with someone like myself and there's, you know, there's, there's hundreds or thousands of people just like me around the world, but, um, on LinkedIn, for whatever reason, they have this this really arbitrary limit of first connections. So you can only have 30,000 first connections. And that's a number that I'm getting very close to. Somewhere here in the next month or so, I'll probably be at 30,000 connections. And I will find people that are inactive that, that I don't know, and I'll remove them so I have room for some more people. But uh, eventually, I'll have 30,000 people that I know and love, and I won't have room for more connections on LinkedIn. Well, that's fine. You can follow me and see my content. That said, you come over to mentor you, we don't have any limits. So now you connect with me there. And now you have Corey as a connection. And now if you want me to engage with you on LinkedIn, you can tell me I'm mentor you. And so we're really looking at this as a communication platform, uh, as a holistic ecosystem. And, you know, it's not only for entrepreneurs, the ecosystem is, is, is suitable for uh, anything from people with their own small businesses to students in college. We're working with the university system in the United Kingdom right now uh, with a pilot for them. With mentor you, where basically the students will have access to business professionals as well. But in our mentor network, we have people that have been in the top one percent of leadership of four of uh, Fortune fifty companies. We have people whose books have, have been top ten on the New York Times bestselling list. You know, we have people that really, when they bill for their time, they bill anywhere from. I have someone, and, and the numbers astronomical, but they bill over a thousand dollars an hour for their time as a consultant. But then they're coming, they're coming and they're giving pro bono time as well because so many of us have experienced some successes now. And I think, you know, one of the phrases that we throw around is you like to send the elevator back down. But I think this is all about paying it forward, paying it back, and just really, you know, the, the understanding that as a community, we can make more happen than as individuals. And that goes back to what we were talking about with the solopreneurs. Uh, but, but also that the resources do exist and that if we do have access to people, not only in our community or in our village or in our accelerator, but globally, and if those people care, they care enough to help people that they don't know. And if people are less greedy and more just collective, I think there's so much capability and potential. So we're, we had the idea and we basically decided we had to go for it. Um, it's something that I'm not telling everybody and, and we'll see what happens, but I'm actively trying to replace myself as CEO of Shedwell and I'll remain you know, the, the executive chairman. I'll remain the primary shareholder. Uh, I love Shedwell so much, uh, but the guy I'm trying to replace myself with He's raised tens of millions of dollars for a competitor in our space that he just left. He was their CEO, but he was uh, he w was one of the 10, 10 top people 
uh, actually at LinkedIn for many years when they were in growth mode. And his name rings all these bells. And so he's joining our advisory board, but I'm trying to get him to, to replace me as CEO. And he knows that. And that would be because it's the right thing to do. You know, he's, he'd be a better CEO in the B2B SaaS space, even than myself. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a rock star. And we're incredibly fortunate that he'll be joining us. But more so than that, I also just want to be able to put so much time in, into this new adventure because I believe in it so much. I get so excited. And daily, I already provide the pro bono consulting. And uh, I'm working with a number of startups. I'm actually a mentor with Founder Institute. And I'm working with uh, Steve Wozniak. Was you as an entrepreneur in residence with the program that they have here in Chicago. And so I'm already helping, you know, early stage companies and, and other founders and, and things of that nature. But with mentor you to, to think that we can reach people in Africa and New Zealand and, and people in, you know, all over the, the planet, people in Asia and just everywhere is just so, it, it gives me goosebumps every time. And so uh, as, actually what we're rolling out as of today is also an in-person model. So if, if you have a consultant that's qualified in your area, we're actually going to start to schedule a meetup. So we're talking to WeWork about potentially using the WeWork spaces for our mentors and to have these in-person uh, sessions. And when, when that was brought to me by our board just today, I said, well, here's the only problem because I love it, but we're a video content creation platform. If people start to get together in person, it's going to take away from the content that we're creating that we can then repurpose as e-learning and mastermind courses and all these things. And then before I was done complaining, I came up with a solution. I said, okay, actually, never mind. Here's what we're going to do. We go either Facebook Live or we talk to LinkedIn since we have the LinkedIn connections. We go live with those sessions, video record those. People can tune in, learn from that session, and then we can repurpose the video afterwards. And so that was kind of an epiphany to take this online accelerator offline and to take this pro bono consulting that, that's online globally, but also take it, take it into a community and to take it offline and to, you know, to think that we work is excited about what we're doing. And uh, it's just all coming together so well. So it's been super exciting. Nice. Uh, you mentioned LinkedIn a couple of times. I remember a few months ago when uh, you posted something on LinkedIn and I commented, I think I was one of the first like 10, 15. And then Overnight, you start getting a lot of uh, traction on that post. And then I remember a few hours later, I asked you, what is the view count right now? And then you told me some number. And then a few hours after that, you sent me another uh, uh, new number. And that was 10 times more than that. And then overnight, you were like uh, trending on uh, LinkedIn. And now you have around, what, what is the number right now? What's the total followers? Somewhere, I want to say it's 36, 37,000, something like that. And, but your each post, the number of views you got is crazy. I think you got like around 100,000 views on every single post. That's crazy audience. And I think, uh, it, what's the story behind it? How did you start it? I remember that post. Did you have any other posts uh, when trending before that or that was the first one? And then from there on, how did you really like grab that and make sure that you're not letting it go? And uh, Juice it out as much as you can. Well, it, you know, it's funny because you are, you were one of the first people to comment on that post. And that was the first viral post I had at all. And I scrolled before that. I was putting out, and, you know, I tried to stay humble, but I really do think some of my content's great. I was putting out amazing content and I promised it was getting like three likes, two likes. I had posts I'm like, this post is amazing. Zero likes. Like, how is this possible? And I did it for months. And so I think the one, the one lesson in that is to not give up. You know, people get, so disconcerted people get so impatient people why me why me oh nobody likes me and, and all these all these kind of negative voices but i just didn't do that for some reason i just kept going i just still kept posting content and i think once i started posting a little bit more regularly i started to get a little bit more you know engagement but the real 
the real thing that did it for me is I spent a couple months finding the actual influencers. And for me, it was Oleg and Bridget. And they were growing, you know, at first when I started following them, they had hundreds of thousands of followers. And I started seeing that number go up by tens of thousands of people every day. Then I started seeing their posts get hundreds or thousands of, of likes. And so I just honestly, I liked them both as people and I liked their content. So I started liking all of their posts and commenting on all of their posts and following or connecting with every single person that they tagged and just getting on their radar. So I made sure that Oleg and Bridget knew who Corey was. And, uh, you know, it, it took me about a month of that. And then they started liking and commenting on my comments. And, and I knew that I had provided some value. So I think the first post that I had was something, it might have mentioned Oleg, you know, in the first line or something. But the reason that post went crazy is out of the blue, Oleg had, had added me as a connection. We've been connected, but he didn't know anything about me to my knowledge. But he liked that post. And then he commented. And until recently, if Oleg or Bridget commented on your post, it would go crazy every time. You're guaranteed 100,000 views. You're guaranteed anywhere from you know, 300 to 1,000 or many more likes than that. And, you know, we're, we're still cool. I still love both of them. And for whatever reason, both of them have liked and commented on posts of mine this week. They haven't done anything. It hasn't changed the like or the view count at all. And I've seen other people, I've seen a few people where they post and I see Oleg comments and I go, oh, here it goes, put your seatbelt on. And then nothing happens. And so I think the LinkedIn algorithm has just kind of, you know, decided to put the brakes on some of these people with over a million followers and try to stifle them. But now I'm the guy with only, you know, whatever, 37,000 followers. If I hop on someone's post, and especially if it's in the first hour, and if, if I like the post and if I comment, that post will get at least 10x views. And I'm not the only one. Other people kind of, you know, similar. I, I think my co-founder is only like 20,000 followers, but her videos get thousands of likes each. She's in India and she's just prolific. And she spent 10 years with Dell and HP as a consultant before we started MentorU Global. Um, but, so she's got less followers and she gets more likes. And uh, But what I've really found is that making the videos is, is what it does. But I've now had hundreds of people that I get to do their first video. Many of them will get over a thousand likes on that first video. I've, I had a girl she had 40 followers and she needed a job. I liked and commented on the post, told her to do a video. She did a video. I asked, uh, you know, I got Oleg involved. He commented on it. That, that video post got, I think, 3,000 likes, uh, 150,000 views. She had 40 followers and she needed a job. She's here in Chicago. We got her a couple interviews. She has two kids. She only wanted to work part-time. She had a big uh, employment gap because she'd been in school getting certified as a nurse. Sweet, I know you can relate to that one. And so she spent all this time and then she gets, she's looking for a job. Nowhere wants to hire her because she hadn't had a job for two years. So she was in school and they didn't, they didn't like that. And she has two kids. So they didn't like, you know, that she was wanting to work part-time. And so she had this post. We got her all these views and, and all this, but we also got her some interviews. I went with her to one and it's her dream job. They hired her. And, you know, because of LinkedIn, we're able to reach out. I've now helped, not, it's not, not me, but what I've, what I've been able to help people with on LinkedIn is now uh, totaled several hundred people getting jobs. Even just today, some guy, He's not hired yet, but he got like a dream, a dream job offer. I have a, a girl in, in Iran, brilliant coder, but she needs out because their currency was just devalued and things are getting really unstable. So she reached out. She said, Corey, I'm a, I'm a mobile app developer, iOS and Android. Here's some stuff I've done. You know, I know these people that are friends of yours. They said, reach out. So I got her several job offers. I actually did a post about her. I had her do her first video. Um, you should look her up. She's in Iran. Her name's Samira, Samira Elhami. If you go and scroll back to her first video post not too long ago, it has like 3,000 views as well. Oleg went on there. My post was, I said, I want to, I wish I could introduce Sam, Samir, uh, Samira and Oleg. And Oleg commented, he said, oh, consider it done. 
I reached out to her on WhatsApp. I said, your light's about to change. She messaged back, oh, I'll, I'll get back to you in a few minutes. I'm on the phone with Oleg. <laughs> and so, you know, he's been helping her, you know, get some interviews. And I think right now she, she had two interviews and now it's a visa issue and we're going to see what happens. But we'll get her, we'll get her a job. We'll get her out of Iran. And, and that kind of thing is happening daily, uh, you know, in my world and in my circle on LinkedIn and, you know, be, beyond me even and beyond my circle even. But it's really been cool to see that power of just community and just people caring about each other and helping each other level up, right? It's really what it's all about. Exactly. And that sounds so awesome that you helped her, Corey. That is so cool. Do you know her personally or you just uh, met her on LinkedIn? You know, I didn't even know her at all um, when I did that for her. Someone had reached out and said, Corey, there, there's a girl that seems very nice and talented in Iran and uh, she's in a situation we think you can help her out. So Sight unseen, I reached out to her and I did the post about her and uh, told her how to do a first video. It was funny. She was so nervous that I literally, I had, and she recorded the screen. She recorded her computer with her phone while I did a 60-second video as her. So I was talking to her and I said, <laughs> hi, my name is Samira. This is my first video. And literally, she she memorized it word for word what I said. And then she recorded herself saying it and posted it the next day. And like I said, several thousand views. No, no, no. Several thousand likes. Oh, that's so <laughs> Ten, awesome. Seriously. Tens of thousands of views. Wow. Um, just amazing. And it's I could I can name at least a hundred people that, that that that's happened to with, with me in my world. And most of them was from their first video. People just you. love people just love to be able to see your see your eyes and hear your voice and get to know you beyond just typing some words or maybe putting some emojis, right? Definitely. So now uh, going into a little bit of a different topic, and this is um some personal questions. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, tell us what you're doing now in Chicago. And I know you're married with your beautiful wife. So tell us what you guys have been up to lately. Well, so we were just in Colorado and Telluride snowboarding for her birthday. She is up to some fun stuff. She uh, she's involved with the craft brewery with one of one of my best friends of like 30 years now. And uh, so she helps them brew their beer and she's been helping with marketing and promotion. And they just they just named her as their social social media manager. And she's killing it. She's her pictures are amazing where, you know, she's learning the whole hashtag game. And, and so we're taking <laughs> it at like, Twitter and Instagram because you know, I think LinkedIn is perfect for almost everything, but I don't, I don't know if it's the social platform for craft beer necessarily. And, you know, obviously I'm Mr. LinkedIn now, so I've got to try that angle. Um, but, and she's been learning to play guitar. So she's been playing guitar and she's mobile massage therapist and she's been doing a lot of massage. So she's got all these kind of things that are all paying money, but they're all really gratifying. And so she's doing that, which is great because when you're the spouse of an entrepreneur, <laughs> you're either just sitting there watching them, you know, just drip sweat over a laptop for 20 hours and just feel ignored. And, uh, you know, I felt bad, but I think she's happy that she kind of gave me the, not autonomy, but but that she was supportive enough to help me grow grow my company. And, and so now, you know, it's great that she has things that she can do that she's excited about. And honestly, all I'm doing still is working. I'm, I'm on probably anywhere five to 20 phone calls a day, you know, six, six or seven days a week. I'm in a number of meetings and now I've got you know, are all team calls. And, and, you know, I, I do, I do still do some kind of outreach as well. I'm more so the guy where if it's, if it's a bigger company, they'll get me involved when they start talking to the, the bigger decision makers too. But so I'm still very much day to day in Shedwell and then growing, growing uh, mentor you global as well. Uh, and we have a company called TIR global. It's the Indian Renaissance and we're, we're effectively a corporate consulting uh, firm that comes in and helps companies with inclusion and diversity and on um, the, the founder and the CEO of that company is, is my co-founder, co-CEO of Mentor You Global. So 
we've been having such great synergy and success with Mentor U that she named me as the, the CEO of that company as well. So nice. currently, currently I'm the CEO of three companies. And so, wow. <laughs> yeah, as, and all three of them are, are either generating traction or revenue or, you know, still both. So it's, it's a challenge. There's a lot of, there's a lot of work, but it's, I think that the quote is it's not work if you, if you love it. And, and I definitely do love it. And I do like LinkedIn so much. So the fact that when I'm on LinkedIn is technically working as well, it kind of, you know, helps bridge that gap. Well, Corey, we're so excited for you and all your new ventures coming up and your successes. And uh, we just want to wish you the best. And thank you so much for talking to us today. I know you're a busy man, but you penciled us in. I know. Thank you very much for giving time on a Saturday evening. Yeah. What? Honestly, I miss you guys and I'm just so glad like I'm glad to have been on the episode but I'm just glad to see you guys too and we should we should catch up off camera as well. We should. <laughs> yeah, come over to LA. I think you'll plan something uh, in summer. I think that right now it's not a good time to visit Chicago, isn't it? No, right now is a terrible time to visit <laughs> oh, Chicago. No. Coming there. <laughs> <Yeah>. Because <laughs> like it's actually, Look at the background. That's why we are sitting over here showing you the background of a nice sunny LA so you can visit us here in LA. It's amazing. And I think that that is, I have no excuse not to. So yeah, let's, uh, you know, maybe we'll circle back in January and we'll come up with something concrete, but I think I'm I'm happy to say on camera that I'll come out and visit LA. I know a lot of people there, but you guys will be the main reason. Oh, we can't wait, Corey. And say hi to Rebecca for us. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. much. Thanks guys. You too. Talk soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. subscribe for more fun conversations and don't forget to rate and review us on itunes or the app that you're using so we can continue to bring you the best content we are also on all social media channels you can find us at cup of joe pod or cup of see you in our next episode